Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Grass Track Banter podcast. My name is Gareth Bemister, your host and your guide through the wonderful world of grass track racing. And joining me as always are the three fellow banter men. First up, it's Ben Ilsley. How you doing, Ben? Hi, Gareth. Yeah, all good. Thank you. Good to be here again. All good. And also joining us, of course, is Russell Little. How you doing, Russ? Hi, Gareth. How you doing? Yeah, all good, mate. And finally, of course, poster-producing guru and Mr. Fixture List himself, it's Luke Russell. Hello, Gareth. How you doing, mate? Yeah, all good. Thanks, mate. All good. Now, we're all back. Uh, we had four weeks off, basically, because, uh, well, various different things, really. Like My wedding got cancelled, so uh had to rebook that, so we had a time off for that. We had uh, Ben's uh, wife is, well... We could be having a baby on live on on a broadcast any minute, could we, Ben? We, we could be uh, doing a live birth shot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One born every podcast. <laughs> Very good. That's, a, that's my next show. That's my next show. So yeah, next time we have a podcast, episode twenty three, Ben could be could be a dad, and uh, and Russell also his wife's not far off either. No, uh, about three three and a half weeks now. Dearie me, I don't know, Luke. It's uh, it's boring, Luke, isn't it? All this, uh, I don't know. They want to watch a bit more telly or something. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not jealous in the slightest. <laughs> no, but uh, best of luck to both of the uh, the bantamin the wags of the bantamins, of course. Hopefully everything goes smoothly in the next couple of weeks uh, for both of you. But it was sort of half the reason why we missed the podcast. But the wedding being cancelled and a load of stuff getting on top of us meant meant that we couldn't get the podcast out last time. Uh, so apologies for that. Uh, in the meantime, we did have a quiz, though, We since the last one. We've had a, uh, uh, what do we call it? The beer tent quiz, virtual beer tent quiz. And that seemed to go down really well. We had some good uh, good participation. It was on the bonfire burnout weekend in the end, but seemed to go down re- pretty good. Obviously, I was there on my own getting drunk, but you boys were watching. So from your end, seemed all right, Ben. I know that you joined in. Yeah, no, it went down well, as, as usual, Gareth. I think it was well appreciated from everyone. And there was a few issues with my network, so... I did miss a round, which gave someone else a chance to win it for a change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit like when you miss a heat at a Bridgewater grass track meeting. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, we've, uh, yeah, we've, we have, uh, we did enjoy it. I do enjoy doing the quizzes; they're good fun, and I really like getting the the grass track family all together and just giving us an excuse to all uh, have a few drinks together and have a bit of banter, really. So we'll try and get another one at some point. I'm sure we'll do another virtual beer tank quiz. Uh, another uh, apology we had to make was to uh, Chad Wurtzfeld, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Basically, uh, we've got Chad with us this week, actually, so uh, a big welcome to Chad to the podcast. How are you doing, Chad? Doing all right, Gareth. How are you? Very good, mate. Very good. Now, the first thing we need to do is address the last episode where uh, you were sort of accused of doing something that you weren't even in the race for. Uh, you, we, we reported on... Uh, well, we were told that... Uh, that you were in a race, I think it was the, I can't think what they call it now, it's the GW Racing's race, isn't it? Um, King of Gosbeck. King of, thank you, King of Gosbeck, yeah. And uh, we were told that Chad was in the race, and he had an eventful race, was really chasing down Stephen Green, uh, got into a bit of trouble at one point, and nearly ran a marshal over. Uh, and it turned out that Chad wasn't even in the race, so <laughs> you weren't too pleased with that, Chad, were you? No, it was a bit ups- <laughs> upsetting, because <laughs> not being in the race... Not not the best thing to do, run a marshal over, especially <laughs> race. No, definitely not. Well, it wasn't you, but uh, we did, uh, well, I sort of collared Jay for it, really, and just said to Jay, oh, you got me in another mess. 
uh, and he was very apologetic uh, about what he'd done. Uh, he mistook you for another rider. I think Jake Mulford was who he mistook you for. So, you know, Jake's a decent rider as well. It was. It wasn't Jake either. Oh, <laughs> who was it? Going to be more apologies now. <laughs> who was? Who was he mistaken for? I think it was John Cobbled. Oh, okay. All right. Fair John enough. Rider is is fairly fairly new, I think, to the five hundred class. Yeah, well, apparently he got in a bit of trouble on the corner and uh, ended up going infield and sort of, yeah, nearly whacked a marshal. And we reported it as Chad, but it definitely wasn't Chad. But, uh, but Chad, you did have a decent day up there. I mean, the, the weather was bad and the track was quite tough, but it seems like you were going pretty good. So you must have enjoyed yourself. Yeah, it was good. I, um, I'd never been up to GW before. Uh, so we went up there because of the shortage of meetings this year, obviously. We we tried to do every meeting we could, and we went up there on the day. Uh, was hoping to get a podium spot, and then I managed to go out and win the meeting, which was really good. Yeah, that surprised us. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's a really good result for yourself, and uh, a great season, really. I mean, like you said, there's, there was hardly any racing, and obviously yourself, you didn't do a lot of racing. But what you did do, you must have been really pleased with. Yeah, I was very happy with it. Obviously, Cornwall was my first ever meeting on a 500. But obviously, I won that meeting. The second meeting, I struggled in a little bit. Track was quite grippy and rough, and I sort I sort of struggled on them tracks anyway. And that's that I struggled in that meeting. And then we went to went to GW, and obviously the track was really heavy, wet, but the meeting was allowed to go ahead, which was good. Yeah, uh, yeah, I won that meeting as well, so that was really good. Yeah, and I think if we, you know, from the season that we've had, I think from everybody that sort of took part, it's nice to see that you're the sort of the standout star of the year, really. And obviously, what are you, 16, 17? Uh, 17 and just gone in August. Yeah, so it's really good news to have a 17-year-old lad going so well on the grass. And uh, obviously, you've come up through the 250s, and last year we saw you on the 250s quite a bit as well, and... Uh, moved on from the 250s now though I'm guessing yeah I was going to do the 250s this year and do a year on that because it was like all my final year in the world championships and stuff we was going to do the last year on that and then with the lockdown and everything cancelled we sold the 250s put 500s in went out onto these meetings this year and did quite well in them so I definitely think I know 500 are definitely going to be it now. Yeah. Back to the 250s, but yeah, I've got to say, Chad, your um your debut on the 500 at Cornwall on a on a, a different sort of it was a very good track, but a different shape track. It seemed to really suit you there. Yeah, it was nice. It was really nice and smooth, which is my preferred track. But I I can ride others, but that's my favourite track. That I that suited me, and it was just it was really nice track. It's an it, it was an odd shape, but it's different, which is nice. But didn't, think, didn't seem to bother you. I don't think you sucked the throttle at all. <laughs> no, I found when I did, I struggled more. Yeah, it's a more, secret. But it's more yeah. like a circle. Yeah, rolled off. It's like rolling off halfway around the corner, which yeah. you don't do. Yeah. yeah. It, it was it was a really impressive performance by yourself. It was really good, and I know that you did. You rode there last year, didn't you, on the two fifty? 
Yeah, it was the day after the under twenty one, so the track was rougher then. Right. Yeah. But I won that meeting as well on the two fifties, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've been riding the grass sort of on and off for a few years. I remember sort of years ago when you first started, you had that sort of green bike with the Speedway front end and uh, with the, you know, the, um, what do you call it? The thing on the front of the Speedway bike. <laughs> I don't know what you'd call it. <laughs> the wheel disc. No, the uh, the thing, you've got Rhino Goo written oh, on yours, Ben. The fork cover, yeah. Right, thank you. <laughs> more yeah. more technical headaches from Bemister. But yeah, you. I remember you having that little bike with all the green all over it and sort of riding very young then, but um, it's been on and off a little bit. I think you've done a, quite a bit of speedway, haven't you? Yeah, I rode grass track when I was younger in the 50s and then I got that bike. That was actually a like a Simon Wig copy type bike. Mm. And then I broke my arm and the transition from 50s to the geared bike. Yeah. And I sort of, when I came back, I was behind everyone by a year with the gears. Sure. And I, I, I never got the hang of it. So we stopped grass track, went to Speedway, well, carried on doing Speedway for the few years. And then when it came for the time I could come off the geared bike from the grass track, we went back to it. Ah, uh, okay. Like the gears and stuff. Yeah, but I don't, I yeah. don't blame you. <laughs> that was the inters, Chad, wasn't it? Because I was having a think to myself the other day. I don't remember seeing you in the junior class, and that that probably explains why. I did the junior class uh, when I turned old enough to ride in the inters. Yeah. Came back to it then on the 250 yeah jump straight on the jower yeah yeah it's different though i know ben that you it was the making of you wasn't it getting not having to worry about gears anymore yeah i think so got kind of got the hang of it in the end for the it wasn't so much the gearbox for me it was the um the power delivery of a two-stroke right i i didn't really get on with yeah Uh, but yeah not having to change gear on the on the jowl it's one less thing to think about really you just focus on on your ride and then your throttle control yeah well chad chad's certainly doing that because you know very tidy rider i think we've all said haven't we very very tidy uh you look very safe all the time as well it's uh you know we're really looking forward to seeing what the future holds really chad because obviously it looks like now you've drawn your attention to the grass track and uh yeah we're all the better for it yeah um i'll be doing it a full year of it next year on the 500, trying to do every meeting I can, what's available, and then have to see what we go from there. Hopefully, yeah. bigger meetings. But yeah, have you uh, have you still got some speedway commitments then? Uh, no, not next year. I've taken a year out of speedway to right. do fast track. Brilliant. Yeah, I just I enjoyed the speedway, but it was more I sort of prefer the grass track a bit more. But I could never do it because I was always at Speedway. Yeah. And now with the going on to the 500s, I felt like I wanted to take a year out of Speedway to really do a full proper year in the 500s to try and get better and sort of try and show myself what I can do on the graph. Yeah. I think last year on the 250s, I only did about five meetings, mm. which not as many as I would have liked. So. No, it's not many meetings at all. But I mean, there's a, there's a lot of young lads now coming through. I mean, it's it's quite exciting, boys. It's just 
there seems to be a little bit of a buzz back for the grass, doesn't there? I know that we, for years, we've got so annoyed with all these young riders. They come into, you know, they come into adults and then clear off to speedway, and we don't see anything of them. And it's suddenly there's people, you know, Zach and Zach and James have sort of set a trend where people are suddenly looking at the grass track a little bit, and and I think we're all the richer for it. And I can see we've talked about it before, Ben, haven't we? The Masters in about ten years' time could be like could be like the Ace of Aces. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's really refreshing to hear from Chad, but attention is going to be on the grass, isn't it? And you've got, obviously, um, a rider that Chad knows well from the youth scene, Jake, Jake Morford as well, but he is dabbling with a little bit of speedway, but he seems to be the attention on the grass track as, as well. So yeah, I think, I think the sport will benefit from it, and we just need more more of Chad and Jake coming through, don't we? And I think we, we've got that conveyor about starting to happen again particularly from a junior to the youth uh the intermediate class yeah yeah we just need to keep it up now but it's uh yeah i mean it, it will also benefit chad i think because you know you look down the list of former world champions on the speedway uh british ones well ty Wuffenden obviously was from australia really but you know you look down the list mark lauren well he came from grass track uh gary havelock he was a grass tracker Peter Collins was a grass tracker, you know, like it, all the signs are there. And, you know, a lot of the young lads are sort of seeing that. I think that grass track prepares you like nothing else for, for world-class speedway racing. And I think that's why a lot of them are going there. But, uh, you know, the more time that you spend on the grass, Chad, the, you know, the much richer we are. But before we, uh, before we let you get on with your evening, uh, Russell probably owes you a thank you as well, because of, uh, if it wasn't for you, he wouldn't have won the Wimbledon Whopper, uh, last year. <laughs> And we wouldn't have been able to call him the Wimborne Whopper champion every time we speak to him. Just <laughs> to take your luck when you can, Gareth. <laughs> we uh, we had a situation, Chad, with the Whopper. And I mean, it was obviously really, must have been really hard for you, that situation. Well, I mean, you tell us, you were sort of, it was almost dead certain that you were going to win that meeting last year. And then uh, I think it was a chain, was it, or something that fell? Yeah, I'd, I'd won my first three heats. And then in the final... The uh, sidecars, the 1,000cc sidecars had been out, which created a couple of ruts further out. Bloody sidecars. Hey, hey, don't start. <laughs> yeah, and I went out a bit too wide and just caught into one of the ruts and it just happened to take the chain off, which is one of those things, but it just it <laughs> cost me the win that day, which is annoying. Yeah. Yeah, we had, uh, at the time, Ben, uh, I don't think Ben was at the meeting, um, I don't think Luke, you weren't there either way until later on. Um, no, I was there. I was there for that. Oh, you um, were there for well, that. Well, so... well, I was at, at the field or at the track, but um, I can't but remember we if were... I actually watched the race. Oh, okay. I couldn't remember if you were there or not. I know Ben wasn't there because we were texting him to tell him what was going on, and uh, and I said, well, to be honest, Chad Wurtzfeld's got this one unless something happens in this race, and that's the only way that Russell's going to win this. And then when it happened, I felt terrible because I thought I can't believe we've said that, and now he's fallen off. Felt very guilty awarding it to uh, to Russell, but obviously... Commentator, yeah, you... yeah, that's it. Take your luck when you can, Russ. Get used to it with all the youth coming through, Gareth. You don't have much choice. <laughs> you do the 250s, that's for sure. Definitely. Well, Chad, we're really looking forward to seeing you on the grass next year. Obviously, full season of grass track sounds brilliant. Uh, best of luck to you, really. And, uh, yeah, let's let's uh, all get behind another young lad coming into the grass track scene. Yeah, it'll be, um, it'll be good to do a full year now properly uh, as many meetings as i can and i'm looking forward to it all i'm just i'm in the process now building up two new bikes for next year <laughs> doing the 
I've had the grass bikes I'm running now for a few years now. Now I'm doing like a proper full year with buying like new frames and stuff. We've gone to do mm. RTS frames this year actually. Uh, okay. So we're building them up now at the moment. So we're we're definitely doing a proper full year this year. Yeah. That'll be <laughs> that'll be really good to see how that goes. Yeah, not mucking about. It sounds good. It does sound like you're doing it really doing it properly. Like so. Very good. Good to uh, good to hear, and uh, best of luck to you, Chad. Is there anyone you'd like to thank, Chad, before you go? Yeah. Well, obviously, my mum and dad are the biggest help. They obviously are there constantly for me. But I've also got a lot of great people on the side. Uh, ben with the rhino goo. <laughs> <laughs> we have our good friends, Mike and Denise Reed. They always help if I need stuff doing to my bike quickly. I, uh, Mito UK, they do all like, the goggles and stuff. Pro Grip Goggles and stuff, they help me out. Hagen, they supply the shop for the bike, which uh, was really good. We get, we're get we really friendly with James Wright and James Shanes. So if ever I need any help, I can ring them two up, which is really good. That's really good to have all that help. So yeah. I really... yeah, good stuff. Sounds like you've got a lot of people around you that are going to help, so that's really good. Yeah, definitely, which is good. Ricky Neal, he does all my engines and stuff for me. So that's that's a really good help. Yeah. I tell you, I tell you what, Ricky Neal and Mike Reed being in your corner, you'll end up on a sidecar in a minute if you're not careful. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be good. That'd be good to see. <laughs> I'm not sure how that would go. <laughs> I don't know how I'd be able to ride one because they're quite different, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of solo riders have gone to him and gone well, and Russell and Ben keep threatening to ride them as well. We get, the so- get the solo career done first. We're yeah. just looking for a lucrative sponsor, aren't we, Ben? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to install a bigger gate so I can get it through into the garden to wash it. <laughs> so all the practicalities. Well, Chad, thanks very much. We'll let you get on. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks, Chad. Take care, yeah. mate. Bye-bye. And there he goes. Cool. Well, that's really good to hear that he's, uh, you know, taking it really seriously with the grass next year. And obviously, with all the young lads at the minute, it's very promising at the moment. It is um, refreshing to hear. I mean, he had a very good season on the Isle of Wight uh, in 2019 in the National League. He went from reserve straight into second string as soon as the um, the first set of averages came out. So he, he did do well, but I think combining the two sports with fixtures, bike washes, maintenance, etc., it's taken its toll. So, mm. yeah, no, I mean, for it's very much grass tracks gain, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It'd be brilliant. It'd be really good to see Chad going well. Obviously, uh, he'll be uh, maybe eligible for a wild card for the Masters qualifier. We'll have to see because he's not having having not racked up any gradients points. It comes a bit tricky in 2019, but of course he's been the best rider in 2020 on the 500. So he's certainly the man you'd think of for a wild card for that uh, for the for the British Masters qualifier. That's for sure. So. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, just moving on from Chad then, we obviously I did mention that Jay Jay did apologise for his uh, his mistake. Obviously, it was a very muddy day, and I think he cleared his own bike up by the time he went and watched that race. So uh, mistakes do happen, and if they do, just get in touch with us, and we very quickly rectify those mistakes. No harm done. Um, also, Jay came up with a few suggestions for the Halloween names. Now, we're always a bit scared about reading out Jay's stuff now, but... <laughs> He did come up with some of these, and I think these are fairly harmless. Uh, he also came up with Lou Coffin. Uh, he went with Grave Mears. Um, this uh, Ray Cross, 
Neil Cope steak. Uh, and he's got uh, Neil Spooks. Neil Spooks scopes. Mm, I'm not sure about that one. It's a bit dodgy, that one. <laughs> and Red, Reg Black Burn Baby Burn. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be uh, allowing any of Jay's stuff on the podcast anymore. I think he's, this, right? Yeah, I think so. Also, he's had a bit of a pop at me as well because he said, you said last time there's no entry level to the sport anymore. I disagree. Guess what he said? Uh, what, what's the average age of the class? GT 140s. <laughs> what's the average age? GT 140s is an ideal, cheap, safe way for someone to enter the sport. <laughs> this may be controversial, but I believe that organisers should not pay prize money for this class. That'll keep it a fun class. Trophies, yes. Prize money, no. Oh, that's a good idea. So, yeah, Jay came up with a few of those. Uh, and uh, GS Davis, I forget his name. It's Gavin, isn't it? Gavin Davis. He came up with Richard Hell, uh, James Fright, which I quite liked. <laughs> Uh, Dave Trick or Treaty, and he also put Devil Tatum. So a couple of good ones from him. But I did like James Fright. I think that's a really good one. Yeah, that's that's my favourite. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's all good. Now then, uh, we better move on because we've got loads to get through in this podcast. We've got Kieran Hicks and Kieran Ivy coming up later on in the show. Uh, they're going to talk to us. It's about time we had some sidecar lads on, and we've got two uh, really good up and coming sidecar lads in the form of Kieran Hicks and Kieran Ivy. Uh, we've got a few bits of news about Bantasia 1. I'm afraid we're going to talk about that an awful lot because we're very excited about our meeting next year. A little bit of news about uh, some other things as well going on in the sport of grass track at the moment. And then it was better in our day at the end of the show as well. So stick with us. And we've got the news on the other side of the whoosh. Whoosh. So it's now time for the news. And we're definitely going to be starting with uh, news on our event that's taking place on the 18th of April. Bantasia 1. Uh, and it's obviously being run by Grasstrap Banter Promotions. Um, obviously, you would have seen all over our uh, Facebook group that we've been trying to fundraise and trying to do everything we can to try and make this a really memorable meeting. The genesis of our meeting, because it's not going to be the end of the journey here. We just want to get something started for Grasstrap. Uh, but it's all coming together, Luke. There's lots of different things happening at the moment, isn't there? Yes, uh, definitely all systems go at the minute, um, sort of behind the scenes. Um just getting everything up and running, running ready to, to obviously start properly pushing the meeting. And obviously, once we're into the new year, permits and entry forms as well. So, yeah, lots lots going on with the four of us that we're doing at the minute. So, yes, yeah, um, all very exciting at the minute. Yeah, it is. And we've uh, this week, we're sort of trying to stage the announcements because obviously it's an awful lot to try and do all at once but we sort of announced the membership benefits which i'll talk to ben about in a second and we tried to talk about in the week ben didn't we but it didn't go very well but uh we all, we we did choose the classes now there was a lot of discussion about the classes we the four of us talked uh, over this time and time again uh now first of all uh we've gone with um the gt140s first of all which is kind of might be surprised given the fact that we talk about them a lot but Luke it was a class that we sort of chose because of well several reasons really yeah I think it's um one of the more popular classes in the minute there's a lot of riders who are coming back to the sport and as you you said in the previous section with Jay there it's it's like an entry level I think something that we're certainly aiming at is getting riders into the sport and trying to keep them here as well so yeah I think that's one of the reasons um we went for them that we know we could put that on and have a lot of heats with full grids as well which you know you never want to go to a meeting and see two or three wobble around so a whole host of reasons that we, we come up with 
Yeah, yeah, and we've obviously we know that they do enter in their droves, and uh, they put on a really good show. Very professionally turned out as well, a lot of them. And yeah, we look forward to seeing the GT one forties there. And uh, similarly, with the entry level in mind, uh, the old and new sidecars as well. And I know that Luke, it's something you've not seen an awful lot of, um, but we've we've included a heat of the old and new sidecars just because again, they're a, they're another entry level for sidecar racing, really. Um, but one thing we're going to have to address, the elephant in the room, really, is the lack of 500 sidecars. And I know that you've sort of competed in that class as well, but we got sort of good reasons why we didn't go with them in the end. Yeah. Um, I think when even when we were deciding on classes, we knew the time of year we were going to be limited on what we were going to run. Um, and then we had to sort of pick essentially classes that we know we would get a full a complement. And obviously, unfortunately... The last few years there's not been many meetings across the country where they've had more than three or four i mean when me and chris um did a full season last year i mean we were traveling up six hours up to cheshire to only compete against two other crews and that's not something that we wanted um at our meeting you know if we get any new spectators we want to be able to show off you know full grids and and all sorts and that's pretty much the reason but we're not obviously ruling it out going forward if suddenly you know tons of sidecars suddenly appear from somewhere then obviously it's something for us to consider um in the years ahead yeah and we're all a bit gutted about it really i mean uh i've started out on 500 sidecars luke obviously has raced the 500 sidecars as well uh, a lot of russell's uncles and family are all v- involved in the 500 sidecars so he's got a bit of an affinity with them we love watching them race uh it's just that uncertainty ben isn't it you just we want to know that uh you know we're gonna sort of be supported with a full grid and i think that you know, having been watching the grass track over the few years, the last few years, there's been so many occasions where there's only been two or three at the line that it, it became too much of a risk, really. Um, yeah, it does. I mean, we, we've, we've got our reasons and and we're, we're going to go with that as a committee. Um, it's not to say that the, the, the class is totally finished and we hope it does come back to uh, the way it has been run or raced in before i mean but there are there are some new crews coming back mm. uh rich wenham's bought himself a new toy which will be interesting to see how rich gets on and uh, there, there are there are some some club level riders coming back to the to the to the sport which is good but it just needs that that more strength and depth doesn't it to come come back and compete regularly yeah and i think that's what what's been lacking really because to be honest, most of the crews that we see in the British final, they're all they're all there that, that they could take the victory, couldn't they? There's yeah. no there's no sort of club level racing in that in that category anymore. No. And then when you do get club level riders, they you know, it, it's a very difficult class. I mean, we've you know, Luke and Chris found that, you know, trying to compete with people who go off to Europe at the weekends is virtually impossible. So it meant that they were it was very difficult but yeah that's that's the reasons and we sort of that you know we are a bit sad that we've not included the 500 sidecars but we had to call it somewhere um otherwise you end up with you know 60 races in a day and it's just too many and one thing when we put our survey out one thing that was very clear is that people don't want great big long days at the races we thought you know we want it nice and short and sharp so decisions had to be made uh but we are going with the thousand sidecars uh, obviously uh they are quite uh, sort of strong in depth so the 1000cc right hand sidecars are, are included and we're hoping that uh, we can offer some really good prize money as well for the 1000cc the sidecars so that should be really good and 
the 250 solos is going to be down on numbers, Russell, because, uh, you know, three of you aren't going to be able to ride. But looking forward to seeing the 250s. Yeah, that's right, Gareth. Obviously, uh, super competitive class, uh, the 250s. Um, as you say, three of us obviously partake in the class. So it was one one that certainly uh, we felt strongly we should have. So, yeah, hopefully we get a competitive lineup. Again, a bit of prize money on the line. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed for a good entry. Yeah, we've got uh, sponsorship from uh, LLB Bates for the uh, 250 solos. So uh, big thanks to LLB Bates for their sponsorship of that class because it will be the LLB Bates 250 solos on the day. Uh, so what what have we missed, Luke? You've got the class there. Have we missed Have we missed a few classes? What else have we got? Well, we've uh, not talked about the youth yet, have we? No. Yeah. So yeah, something that we spoke about, I think, even before doing the podcast, is youth and a big focus on the youth. So yeah, we've included all four youth classes just just for that reason to give give the the kids a, a another race meeting to look forward to and to hopefully be part of uh what we're hoping to be is a uh, one of the big meetings of the year yeah and we think that the you know bringing the youth is so important i think even if if this is a success and we've sort of talked about it a little bit before if this is a success and we we can push on and we end up running a big meeting next year we'd still like to do something with the youth on the saturday if possible or some sort of saturday evening entertainment with youth racing and gt140s or something i think that's where we're going with it isn't it yeah pretty much <clears throat> it's um yeah something that i think we'll, we'll include in in all our meetings um definitely going forward yeah we're very passionate about making sure that the youth are catered for so uh that they're included uh and then we've got sort of i think we're just left with the 500 solos aren't we now yeah and that's uh obviously quite we're doing that in a quite an interesting way uh, would you like to explain that, Luke, or should I go through that? Um, go on, you go for it. <laughs> so we've, uh, we're very aware that uh, we would like some big names in our meeting, some, some good riders. Uh, but also, at the same time, we would like to cater for the club riders. And there's nothing worse as a club rider than pulling up to the start tapes, knowing that you've got a European champion sat next to you on the start. So we've decided to have eight elite riders and the what we're trying to do is get eight riders who have been in a european final that's the plan uh that's the sort of caveat so we'll have eight european final standard riders in the elite class uh all going for all, all racing each other throughout the day so you'll basically you won't see them sort of you won't see two of them in one race two of them in another race and two of them in another race all clearing off in front miles in front and then racing each other in the final it won't be like that they'll race each other all day uh, and there'll be some really good racing because of their their sort of prize money will be based on where they come out of that top eight. So they've got a lot to race for. We've got some people who are very good riders who have been very supportive of us over the last uh, year or so, uh, who are being really generous with their time um, on the lead up to this meeting and, and are hopefully going to support us as well. So it should be a fantastic bit of racing in that elite class uh, and then also the 500cc solo open class uh, will have a bit of an incentive as well because that will be uh, 500 solos minus those sort of eight riders and they will race each other for position and then they'll go into the ultimate final at the end of the day and that's really the big meet uh, the big uh, race where you'll have the top four of the elite you have the top four of the 500cc solo open and the 500cc solo open riders then get a chance to um lower the feathers of some of the elite riders and we're looking forward to seeing how they get on it'll really be a sort of david versus goliath situation we think by that ultimate final so 
that's our thinking behind it. We wanted to do something, or well, we've talked about doing something similar with the thousand sidecars, uh, because the thousand sidecars as well, we've got this sort of top echelon of riders that are very, very good, uh, and then some club riders, but sort of, we're going to sort of see what sort of entry we get first, I think, with the thousand sidecars before we make any decisions like that. But we're really going to town with the 500 solos this year. Uh, and then, of course, we're hoping that those riders that support us this year and are very generous to us this year and sort of uh, come along and entertain us, we can sort of come up with something very big in the following years to come. So that's all the plans for it. I think I've covered it, have I, boys? That's about it, isn't it? Yeah, it covers the, uh, the classes, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, we're really excited about it. Obviously, this elite class is going to be the sort of showcase of the meeting. That's the idea. Uh, but the 500 solos are going to be entertaining as well. Because you're not going to have your top boys, uh, although you say that, somebody really quick is going to enter now in the open and clear off, I expect. But uh, yeah, it should be brilliant racing, really, all day. It's good. It's a really interesting concept. Um, it, it gives riders like the likes of Chad Wurtzfeld and Jake Mulford to potentially go into that super final, the ultimate final at the end of the day, and, and lower some of those, those big scalps, those big names that they're going to be having a big target on their back yeah and it will be great as well i mean the, the whole crowd i think will be really behind someone like chad uh and jake mulford if they you know if they choose to enter our meeting uh and then they know there's big money on the ultimate final and you've got these four superstars that they're going up against i can just see the crowd being really into it yeah absolutely and it just means that there's a chance for every race means something doesn't it That's yeah yeah yeah, it does. And every race will mean something to the elites as well because, you know, they want to they want to get as much prize money as they can out of the meeting. Uh, and the way to do that is to win races. So, uh, yeah, hopefully it'll all work out. We've got a couple of people signed up already, but we can't mention any names yet because we're still waiting for the permit at the moment. But as soon as we get that permit, we can start to announce some of these names. And we've been, you know, we're very excited about who we've managed to sign already, aren't we, really? Yeah, I mean, who we've signed already is just... Um... Just unreal, and and the the other riders that we've got on our list, um, you know, should be hopefully one of one of the meetings of the year. Um, and then going back to what you said about the sidecars, um, how we wanted to do something similar, I think we just couldn't decide on how many we'd have in sort of the elite right-hand sidecars because there is just such a strong um, depth in that class that we just couldn't decide who we'd want to put into that elite and who would possibly miss out so um yeah it should be uh should be a cracking day's racing that's for sure yeah it's uh that's just that sidecar situation that you've said that's exactly it i think you know we we were talking about who we'd have and there was it was just potentially going to just cause us so many arguments between each other just saying well no he could beat him they could beat them and we eventually we said do you know what we'll just see who we get <laughs> and, uh, and then try and sort it out from there so yeah very excited about the thousand sidecars as always but excited about all the classes you know the gt140s put on a great show too uh, and we'll have to wait and see what happens but uh we've launched the membership as well ben and we went online this week to try and do a shared video which didn't go great but we've got some real benefits of being a member of uh grassstrap banter promotions haven't we yeah that's right gareth um we've tried to create the, the uh the club uh with the rider and also spectators in mind so we've we feel we've developed something that offers a little bit more value other than just sort of joining a club and uh, and obtaining your your sort of unique code to get a race license so through our generous partnerships and club supporters we've managed to arrange 
some exclusive member-only discounts, um, and that's something we can break down in a bit more detail. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's £10 to become a member, uh, and for your £10, you, you know, it's really good. We've got some great partners that have helped us out, and uh, first one really on my list is Properly Protected, Ben. That's right, yeah, so Properly Protected, uh, they're an insurance company that cater for all types of different insurances, not just race insurance. Um, we've also got connections with um, bike theft cover, race transport cover. I've just just really insured my van actually under a specialised race transport cover, and that came out a lot cheaper than a normal commercial policy. So definitely give properly protected um, the opportunity to win your business. With that in mind, um, particular policies there is a fifty pound cashback available and a ten percent discount across the race van insurance and bike theft cover for our club members yeah so well worth becoming a member just for that and uh similarly relax to race of course is another company that has uh, got on board with us yeah so relax to race they're, they're a well-known um brand in the industry and i need to need to thank graham ing actually for introducing me to to the company and the products um obviously graham of course was a formula former sidecar passenger son of russell ing i think yeah um relax to race is essentially uh it's an arm pump gel a muscular soothness gel that has been designed to relax your muscles if it's a particularly rough track or um, you just sort of suffer from arm pump this is a product to try it it really does work it does what it says on the tin there's no gimmicks with it Um, I trialed it last year and I was amazed really so yeah we've we've kindly had um, the offer of over 25% discount and free postage on on their products which we're really grateful for. Yeah, so another reason to become a member. Uh, and your own sort of your own interest as well, Ben, Rhino Goo, uh, you've offered uh, another discount as well for members. Yeah, so there's not a lot of bike cleaning going on at the moment, but when we um, when we get to that, that stage again, hopefully next year, um, for anyone that uses our products already, if they become a member of Grassroot Banter, um, you get 25% off all products. Uh, and anyone that hasn't used our products as well yeah. so just um my way of doing a little bit to support our club and riders yeah yeah and uh, it works well on mountain bikes as well so if you're not cleaning your motorbike at the minute you can always stick it on the mountain bike that's what i use mine for works just as well go I on can vouch for uh upvc windows um <laughs> children's swimming pools and obviously cars and vans as well uh, yeah. yeah good Very product fun. There's a fairly new product that's launched in the summer for um, for camper vans and caravans. So, yeah, we, we stock that, that as well. And it's also very good on the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Deary me. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's... Too, it's obviously not to- non-toxic then. <laughs> it shouldn't be used on the dog. Even that the dog's hair falls out or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to yeah. clarify, don't use it on the dog. <laughs> Ralph never looks so clean. <laughs> yeah, it's gleaming white. He's got a lovely glow of yellow to him now, though. <laughs> See him in the dark. <laughs> yeah. uh, and also, uh, all of our merchandise, which is made, of course, by uh, Paul Morphy uh, of uh, Custom Clothing by Impress Promotions. And Paul, 
has been amazing to us basically since we've sort of started he's been fantastic and we can't offer a pool enough support really but uh 10 off is it ben for our for our members yeah that's right through the website um grassstrapbanter.com there's a shop on there it's got all the all the merchandise range available ranging from caps beanies face masks all the way through to an umbrella uh, mugs jackets hoodies etc um that's all listed on there and there's a unique code for both riders spectator members to have 10 percent across the whole range of products on that website perfect yeah and once again thank you to paul at uh, custom clothing by impress promotions for that uh and finally at the meeting itself there's a bit of a benefit as well 10 percent off your off your grub yeah which is something we sort of thought of straight away wasn't it is i wonder if we can find a company who will offer a discount for mem- Grassstrap Banter Promotions members when you're there. Because obviously food prices can get a little bit steep. Um, so yeah, 10% off of your food sounds pretty good. And we've got a decent uh, caterer as well, Ben, who's going to offer that for us. We have, yeah. Um, it's a local company to me. They offer carvery-type meals in a, in a baguette, which is a little bit different. Yeah. As well as like your uh, your traditional burger bar-type food as well but yeah any member that shows their membership card will get 10 percent off their off their bill yeah which is brilliant it's uh yeah another good good one and we've got other things up our sleeve as well and those will be announced uh, in due course really but uh yeah it's all coming together i mean there's other companies that have been really generous as well we've not even mentioned uh paul munter of stellar dispatch but obviously paul has been uh brilliant to us uh, as well in sort of helping us with the funding for the meeting yeah i mean it, it goes without saying it wouldn't be happening if it wasn't for paul um his support financially and and uh non-financially just yeah using paul as a soundboard just for his experience within the sport and commercially he runs a very successful business so from a um, a financial perspective it, it's good to have that knowledge and someone to go to Absolutely. And uh, then we've got sort of, yeah, a couple of other companies just to mention, SBS Epos. Yeah, it's a local company that's come on board. Uh, the managing director is a big fan of, of sort of track racing in general. Um, sort of saw in the press our, um, our announcement of running the club and, and offered his help to get involved to support us. And Dave um, Stevens is the MD there, runs a, a good business. Um, they specialise in in EPOS teal, teal systems. Um, they supply teal for, for the Isle of Wight Speedway and also um, a number of big tourist attractions in the UK, including Polson's Park. So, okay. yeah, if you in that sort of market, in the hospitality or retail sector, and you do need some tills or um, payment software, then, then um, SBS EPOS is the, the guy to go to. Yeah, good stuff. And we've uh, the only la- the, the other two we've got. I've mentioned LLB Bates, who are sponsoring the 250 class as well. Uh, and Russell, that's your sort of domain, LLB Bates, isn't it? And that's uh, fishing tackle, I believe. Uh, yeah, that's uh, sort of carp fishing bait there, Gareth. Yeah, LLB Bates have come on board. Uh, Going to be our title sponsor the 250 class. Um, very generous of them to uh, come on board and help us out in our first year. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so for, for all your cart bait, etc., uh, LLB baits on on all the social medias. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant stuff. And uh, last last one is uh, Blades Bikes, which is a local company to you as well, Ben, isn't it? It's a motorbike, motorbike shop. It's a shop in Winchester, yeah. They, um, they specialise in all sales and services of all, all makes and models of motorbikes. 
Um, Harry Blaze, the MD there, he's, um, he's come on board to help us. Uh, has been to grass track in the past, and I think he's a keen racer of uh, motocross and previously superbike. So, um, yeah, he was he was really, um, really pleased to get involved with the local event, and uh, we very much appreciate his, his support. Yeah, great stuff, great stuff. It's all about just trying to bring people together. We're not lining our pockets at all here. It's all about running a big grass track meeting. That's all we want to do is try and pull this sport uh, up a little bit, there's obviously plenty of clubs doing a sterling job already, but we just think one more won't hurt and it'll certainly be, uh, you know, something to remember, we hope. Uh, we've got the track, of course. It's a famous venue at Wadham Farm. Uh, it's been used before. If you want to check it out, in 1991 it was used uh, by Winchester Club, I believe, many years ago. And it's been used on and off, but there's an awful lot of work going into it now from the farmer, so it should be in tip-top form as well. Uh, it should be a really good... Uh, venue for racing grass track on so very much looking forward to Bantasia one it feels like the season's sort of getting going a little bit really I know that uh, next time Luke we'll look at the fixture list a little bit when it gets a bit fuller but it's there's certain big meetings now to look forward to isn't there for ep- for uh, episode 23 when we go for that fixture list yeah I was having another flick through it this evening yeah there's quite a few clubs on there obviously some of the bigger meetings are, are starting to appear and obviously hopefully by within the next couple of podcast i'd imagine we'd be almost there on the fixture list anyway once we've had various uh national and international dates announced so yes uh, very exciting time yeah because we did have the uh, fim uh, announce their their sort of their uh, long track rounds uh, a couple of interesting ones in there as well and we'll i think we're going to break that down in episode 23 another thing to do in episode 23 is to talk about the world long track a little bit and see how we're uh, See what we think of those circuits and see what we think is going to happen in that tournament. Uh, but obviously domestically, we've got Sally Palmer and the team at Ledbury who have come up with some a uh, couple of dates. You know, they've got their usual early one in, in uh, around Easter and they're running the British Championships as well, which should be good. That's going to be a great meeting, a great track. And uh, Graham and the team at Astra are running the Masters and you know they're always going to have a quality grass track meeting down at Astra, down at Swingfield. So very much looking forward to that as well. And obviously there's our meeting and there's several others as well. I think the poachers thinking about running again this year. There's just these meetings popping up here, there and everywhere. And it just feels like there's a little bit of buzz at the moment. I think sometimes, you know, we've all been away for a long time and absence makes the heart grow fonder a little bit. And I think people are are really starting to think about what they can do. And and talking about that, we've got two people who are quite familiar to us, listeners of the show, Carl Russian uh, and Trevor Heath. Uh, and they've uh, they've started putting together a dirt track, uh, dirt track championships. Um, and it's not run through the ACU, it's run through Nora, I believe. But uh, yeah, what, what do we know about that so far? I know that there's sort of, it seems like there's an awful lot of interest early on, but uh, you know, there's lots of different classes. It's on speedway tracks. Um, have we seen the list of speedway tracks yet? Well, he did a he did a video. Carl uh, Russian did a video doing like a little um, introduction to the series um, end of last week. He did announce a couple of the tracks, which I can't remember off the top of my head. He mentioned red car, I think. He mentioned uh, red car, and he mentioned um, possibly Kings, Kings Lynn. Lynn, I think. Yeah, yep. Kings Lynn. So. Uh, but it sounds very interesting. It's another thing for people to be looking forward to. They're not running on Sunday, so it won't clash for grass tracks either, which is a good thing. Um, there's all sorts of classes, though. I can't think of them. I know there's 1,000 sidecars, obviously sidecar speedway. Oh, I, can, uh, I can run through them if you, if you like. I've got it in front of me. Um, so, yeah, they're running, running on speedway tracks. Um, 
from April till uh, September, one, basically one a month. Um, I think they wanted the tracks sort of dotted all around the country. Um, but they've got uh, quads, right-hand sidecars, as you said, which is now full. And they've got, I think it's 18 uh, sidecars. Uh, they've got a Youth 150 class. Um, and looking at that lineup, it could almost be a, a grass track junior meeting um, with the likes of uh, Bovindun, Cooper Russian, uh, Thomas Vining coming across from uh, Guernsey as well. They've got the GT140 class, which has got a massive lineup already. And again, that could be a, a grass track meeting. They've got flat track class, uh, and then they've got the pit bike class that obviously three of us have competed in down at Iwade and Eastbourne over the last couple of years. So looking at that, they've had a, probably well over 80, 80 entries already, and it's only been open, what, a couple of days. So phenomenal support for, for Carwin and Trevor and the team there. I mean, in the sidecars, aside from Mark Costa and Gareth Winterburn, this. Yeah, you've got, I mean, Ryan Sidecars, you've Paul Whiteland, Rob Wilson, Tom Cosser, Mick Cave. Yeah, pretty much a, a Sidecar Speedway meeting under under ACU events near enough, bar um, Mark Cosser and Gareth Winterburn near enough. So, yeah, it's a decent decent lineup they've got there just for the, the Sidecars alone. As I mean, Gareth knows the Sidecars is what everyone goes to go and watch, don't they, Gareth? <laughs> That's right, yeah, especially the Sidecar Speedway, but... No, it'd be good. It'd be good to hear a bit more about that, and we look forward to seeing what that, what that sort of, uh, how that comes to be. But again, like I say, there's a lot of things to look forward to next year. Let's hope the coronavirus goes away because we are in a good, uh, good place at the moment. I think with the sport, you know, we've got all these youngsters coming through into the adults at the moment. The junior class, you just mentioned Oliver Bovington going up into the junior class. I think he's gonna cause a bit of a stir. I think Archie Rolf might be due to go up to the junior class as well. And if he's joining all those others, that class is going to be brilliant on a speedway track. We've got all these meetings to look forward to as well. Uh, it's going to be an absolutely brilliant season, I think. The last bit of news is the uh, pit bike raffle. Now, we've had one of them, or the bonus ball. I keep calling it a raffle, but the bonus ball. We had a bonus ball raffle um, several weeks ago, which was won by Jordan Derrick. And now we're currently in the middle of another one because it went so well last time. Uh, and it really is a good deal, Ben. Like 40, is it 40, uh, 40 pounds? Uh, have I made that up? No, you've made it up. That's yeah. Cool. <laughs> I don't know where I got forty pounds from. <laughs> I'm not buying one of your raffle tickets. I'm no, just gonna. I'm handing over to you, Ben. You know what more about this than I do. Twenty-five quid to bring, win yourself a brand new Z3 140 Stomp pit bike. Got twenty-four numbers left. Um, it's a lovely bit of kit. And yeah, can't really say any more about it other than we appreciate everyone's support and entering and. Gives it a bit of interest to, to win a really nice bit of equipment and bike and bargain price of 25 quid. So, yeah, as soon as we get all the numbers sold, the sooner we can get it drawn and under someone's chimney at Christmas, hopefully. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, it's it's for 25 quid, 40 quid. I don't know where I got 40 quid from. 25 quid uh, for a pit bike is unbelievable, really. So, uh, definitely, if you haven't already and you're listening to this, get yourself onto Grass Track Banter. Get yourself a number and we'll do the draw, hopefully, before uh, before Christmas and someone will have a brand new pit bike. Brand new pit bike, never raced before, never ridden before, uh, for 25 quid. It'd be an absolute bargain. And all of the proceeds, anything that we make on it, goes straight towards the uh, Bantasia 1. It doesn't go in our pockets. It goes to Bantasia 1 and that goes towards making a very good grass track meeting that we all want to see you at. Uh, so that's it. Make sure you get on there. I think that's about it for the news. So uh, coming up next, we've got Kieran Hicks and Kieran Ivy.
coming into this pit turn, he's just leaving a little gap. It's enough to let Rob Bradley come up the inside, but he's not got enough speed in the middle of the corner to get past him. Well, the second flag is made ready, and it looks like it's going to be a win for number 78, Kieran Hicks and Kieran Ivey, an excellent win in their second heat. Rob Bradley second, Colin Blackburn third. So now it's time for our guest spot and this week we finally got some sidecar boys on. It's about time we got some sidecar boys on. We first of all we've got Kieran Hicks. So how you doing Kieran? Hello guys, you alright? Yeah, alright mate. And also joining him is his passenger, Kieran Ivy. How you doing? All good yourselves. How is everyone? Yeah, all good mate, all good. We've just been getting very excited about uh, about next year, so we'll be doing that in a minute. But uh, first of all, let's address it. We're gonna call Kieran Hicks. We're gonna call him Kieran. And we're going to refer to Kieran Ivey as Kiz, because otherwise it's going to get really confusing quite quick. Shut down. This must happen to you lot, a lot, though, uh, Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does really. It does get a little bit confusing when you have a person come up and start talking to you, and they name you both Kieran. We had it at uh, the qualifier last year. That's just what I was going to say, to be fair. And <laughs> he called us Kieran, and we just both felt like, which one are you talking to? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It's a bit confusing, very confusing, but I just said to uh, Kieran that you spell it wrong, Kiz, so it's easy to work out when you write it down. I didn't spell it wrong. (laughs) That's Butch. Butch's fault. (laughs) Well, boys, it's great to have you on, and obviously been a bit of a, a, well, nothing season, but you managed to get one meeting in, Kieran, and uh, it was a nice local one for you. Yeah, it was a nice local one. It's just a shame we didn't really have luck on our side that day. Um, We had a lot of bike gremlins that day. Obviously, we haven't rode for, I think it was about 13 months, because obviously we had to finish the season early last year due to my sister's wedding. Um, and we thought we had the bike all ready to go. And then obviously the, lo- the first lockdown kicked in. Um, so we didn't end up getting to Ledbury for the first meeting. And then all the other meetings was obviously called off as well. And then Cornwall decided that they was going to run. So we got the bike out and ready. And, you know, unfortunately for us, it didn't really go to plan. Yeah, it was a tough... A tough uh... Tough meeting, really, for you. But what was the issues that you had on the day? Well, we don't really know, to be fair. We went out and practiced and everything was feeling good. Obviously, the first one, we just kind of took easy just to get used to the bike again. Um, went out in the second one and felt a lot more comfortable. And then went out for the first race and off the line, it just bogged. It just killed itself. And yeah. it wasn't even like there was that deep of ruts out there because obviously we was the second race out. So we couldn't even put it down to that. And we came in and checked a few things on the bike, the battery and bits like that and we couldn't really find anything wrong with it. But obviously it was a fresh engine in for this year but obviously home in the garage it sounded lovely and for practice it was good. Yeah. So we took it home and like plugged it, plugged a few things in but we still can't seem to get to the bottom of it at the moment. Have you done any testing since, you know, anywhere to see if you can, I mean it's hard to tell I suppose when there's no other bikes with you is there? Yeah, that's the trouble, and obviously Kiz lives so far away from us. Yeah. Um, so we haven't really... Kiz obviously said he would come down to try the bike out, but he's trying to find a field as well. Yeah. With the winter setting in now, there's not really much we can do other than wait until early part of next year and try and get back out on it. Yeah. It, we're going to keep doing like some testing in the workshop and changing different things and seeing if we can like try and get it down to a bare minimum. And yeah. And go out early part of next year and hopefully try and get things sorted ready for next year yeah i mean it's going to be something that your dad's going to be worrying about because he was one of the best gators i've ever seen i think yeah definitely dad's really in the garage all the time really working on it and trying to 
get down to the nitty gritty stuff and get it working correct. But obviously, when it sounds so perfect in the garage and yeah. when it was fine at practice, it was only really when it started to get grippy that we had problems with it. Hmm. So it's hard to tell when it's just home in the garage revving. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it drives hard anyway. It looks like it drives hard anyway as a, you know, as an outfit. It looks like a quite drivey sort of bike. So um, I guess you need it. Well, it was working good last year though, wasn't it? I suppose with the, do you always go off a rut? You don't go on the grass at all? No, literally come out of a rut every time. And it yeah. always seems to leap out the start for us. Yeah. And literally that one meeting where we just, we just had no luck at all with it. Yeah, it's a shame. And uh, Kier's obviously, Kieran just sort of mentioned it. It's a, it's you are a long way apart. You know yourself down in, uh, in Kent somewhere, uh, and then Kieran's all the way up here in Cornwall. Uh, long way to come for that to happen. But um, yeah, like he says, equally long way to go for a test as well. Yeah, it's true. But to be honest, it, you don't really miss. Like we didn't really miss it during the year. Obviously, you have more time at home. But just having that one, one meeting, I know it, it didn't go very well and had trouble with a bike but it does it does make you realize how much you miss the racing you know oh yeah definitely i think we said that on the show like we you know on the run-up to the meeting i wasn't really missing the racing much to be honest because there's a lot else to do in there but once yeah, you were there and it was all happening god like yeah, yeah we need it don't we yeah for for the for the time that we're in i thought the turnout there was amazing as well so yeah. it's obviously for the fans as well you know everyone misses it yeah without racing but everyone's still going to turn up even even like you see people from up our way coming down for that meeting so yeah it was good yeah like will and mick cave and will penfold and a lot of people from yeah the southeastern center turned up and it's you know we don't see people down there i don't know if they they've ever been to the track before but uh yeah it was good to see really good to see but uh, really, boys, we need to talk about the meeting you had before that, which was like over a year before, but it was the Masters. And uh, yeah, I know that, Kieran, you were absolutely delighted with the result you got in the Masters um, last year. Yeah, I was. I was completely over the moon, to be fair. Um, obviously, every Masters we've been to, I've obviously been walking away feeling proud. Um, but last year was the one for me, really. That was the highlight of the season. Everything kind of fell into play. We obviously went in feeling like a little bit of an outcast um why'd you say that why'd you say that i don't know we're kind of like the young ones on the like block really mm. uh, and it's a well, it's a tough day for everyone but i don't know we went into there obviously winning the qualifier so that was a big confidence boost yeah um but then you get there and you see everybody and i don't know the nerves start to run really mm. as the day progressed it it did all fall into place and go to how we planned yeah, it was a shame about the final, but it's one of those things. I was happy to make the final and get off and come home safe, and be able to just be placed into the next Masters. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what was your frame of mind going into the final? Because obviously, like you said, there you were happy to get into it. Do you think that perhaps you could have pushed a bit harder in that final, or do you think that you were going as hard as you could? It was just one of them things. I could have hundred percent pushed a lot harder. To be fair, um, yeah. it was one of them things. I kind of lost my nerve a little bit. After I made the semi, I still had like my head, but after that, I kind of I lost it a little bit, um, and just thought like I was happy to have made the final. Obviously, the first final I've ever made at the Masters. Yeah, but that was a massive step, um, and it was really the first proper season that Kiz was on because he jumped on the year before halfway through. Mm. 
So we went into last year's like last year's season fully committed, and it was the first full season we'd done together. And I think things did go our way, to be fair. Yeah, it's, uh, it certainly did. And I mean, I certainly don't want to take it away from you for that for that final. It, it, you know, having watched how well you'd gone in the, the heat that you won and the and the semi. <laughs> You almost could see that you were just happy to have got to that point, really, I think. But, you know, you've got many years to come. Both of you have. And, you know, it's probably for the best that you sort of thought about it now. And then, you know, in the next few years, if you make the gate, who knows? But uh, yeah, that's right. something about nerves that you said, uh, Kieran, actually, you mentioned nerves. So I am going to bring it up. When I used yeah. to race against your dad, your dad suffered with nerves more than anyone I've ever known. Is it something he's passed on to you? He's still sucking now. Yeah. <laughs> He's as white as a sheet when you go to the line. I've got, I've yeah. got to be honest with you. Just before that semi-final, he pulled me to one side and he was he was in a bad way. Yeah. And I said to, I said to Lee, look, you're, you're making me get nervous now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It must be, obviously, it was after him when he's on his own, like, racing himself, but... That's obviously watching his son out there, isn't it? So. Oh yeah, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine it, honestly. I really couldn't. But uh, yeah, obviously he deals with it. But yeah, like I say, when he was racing himself, he was a bag of nerves. Like absolute. I've never like being sick. Sometimes he was so frightened. And yeah, uh, okay. you know, I used to say to him, "What you know? What are you worried about? You're a really good, safe rider. Come on." And uh, yeah, I just does he talk to you about that, Kieran, or does he try? Does he? That's what Kiz is there for. He talks to Kiz. <laughs> no, not really. I don't usually get nervous, to be fair. I, yeah. usually, I don't know. I think it's because I enjoy it so much. The nerves seem to just just go away. Yeah. But at the Masters, I always seem to get a little bit like it. But this year, well, I, I was actually fine all this year. Yeah. At the Masters, I turned up and I was, I was feeling quite good. Uh, and obviously, we had that little knock with Will, uh, Will Offen. Yeah, uh, and then after that, obviously the nerves started to go. Then because obviously if we didn't win that semi, we wasn't getting into the final. Mm. And then when, once we won it, I thought, oh, that's all right. The nerves will go now, but they didn't. Yeah, but I suppose it's just one of those things. It's the first ever one you've made. It's, it's the biggest final you've ever ever made. Yeah. So obviously it's going to get easier as it goes on. Hopefully we will make one again. And the other yeah. step on. Yeah, I think you probably, well, I think we all think you're going to push on from here. But uh, yeah, Kiz, it was a tough one, that, that clash with Will Offen, wasn't it? I know that at the time you were really quite annoyed about it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's the Masters, I suppose. It's not chess, is it? No, no, a lot of it's adrenaline, isn't it, after you've taken a knock. But yeah, it's understandable. People were taking different lines there. We had we had a line where we wasn't so fast going into the corner, but we was, I think, probably the, one of the fastest halfway through and coming out. So... Yeah, Will Will's gone in really hard, and it is what it is. You know, I've spoke to Will since. He, I think he's he spoke to all of us since, to be honest. Yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's at the end of the day. You know. Yeah, dec- he's a decent bloke, and there's you yes, know, yeah, would have been that's, no. That's it. There's no malice in it at all. So. That's it. Yeah. But it's just the masters. You know, we probably would have done exactly the same thing. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not nice when it's you on the receiving end. <laughs> No, definitely not. Definitely not nice, especially when you were in that situation where you were so close to being in the final as well. But uh, it was all good yeah. in the end. All good in the end. Yeah. But, uh, Kiz, so Kieran's talked about, uh, you know, you coming on the side at the Midshires meeting. Uh, was your first one together, wasn't it? And then yeah, uh, from then on, because you were sort of, 
you were sort of floating about a little bit before that. You weren't. So I know you had your season with Paul Whitelam. Yeah. Um, and then you rode with mixed ace for a little bit, and then it sort of it looked like you were sort of had enough a little bit, really. Yeah, I don't know. I just sort of lost the passion for it. Like it was so good when I was young to watch, and I don't feel like I'm old enough for it not to be that good anymore. But yeah, it's not the same, you know. It wasn't like to me. It wasn't the same when I decided I wasn't going to ride anymore. Yeah. And then, obviously, I went to Midshires, and it was a pretty big meeting to come back to. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was... Big, fast track as well. Big, fast yeah. track, choppy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's probably my favourite track last year. It's just because of how long the straights were. Yeah. And you're going in, and Kieran was throwing it in sideways, and, yeah, it was something I hadn't, hadn't experienced before, to be honest. Yeah, and it's brought you back. And I mean, you you were riding with Jack on the Jack Penfold on the the speedway as well. Yeah. So that was going on, and then you had the and suddenly you were back in the limelight again. It was it was good to see, really, because I thought you were were going to go and do something else. And there's a real shortage of passengers, isn't there? There is at the moment. There seems to be a lot of drivers coming through, to be honest. But yeah, I don't know. When I was young, I'd, I'd never wanted to ride like drive. I I don't know why. I just always wanted to be a passenger. Yeah. Uh, Probably because I didn't ride motorbikes at home, you know. Yeah. I uh, I remember when uh, I passengered Paul, a very young kid was there, his dad, and uh, <laughs> kids was always on the back of the bike, never on the front. When Butch was pushing it, kids was always sat in the passenger seat. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? How you grow up like my mate used to come with me all the time. We always said, "Yeah, you're going to drive, and I'm going to passenger." And yeah, you know, I don't know. He, he fizzled out for him, but. You get it yeah, in your head, I'm... I suppose. You do get your head get it in your head when you've been around it so long. What you're going to do? Yeah. And I, yeah, I was the same. To be honest, my dad was always a passenger, and yeah, your dad did a bit of passengering as well. And he did, like... did a lot of falling off, I think. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you end up doing what you what your dad did, and that's what you sort of did. And uh, and Kieran's obviously done the same there because at the minute, for a minute there, it looked like Kieran might go off to solos. And yeah, thank God he saw the light. Really, Kieran, you you went the right way in the end. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, I started when I was six. Um, obviously, Dad was into it big time. And I come all the way up through the youth groups. And just as I got into the adults, I thought the same for me. I wasn't enjoying it. Just It felt like effort to go every weekend. Um, in the workshop during the week, Just it was all just hassle to me. So in the end, I decided to tell Dad, like, that, like enough's enough, I don't really want to do it anymore. And then I... I came back for one meeting at Cornwall, and then I said to Dad, I, was, I want to do, like, I want to go on the sidecars now. Hmm. So that was where it all progressed from, really. We ended up um, buying the R1 off Joe Sturtridge, um, and jumped onto that, and I loved it. Yeah. I've never looked back now. I think I found the bike that I can get on with, which is three wheels. Yeah. <laughs> <Not two. laughs> yeah. Um, and everything seems to be working out perfect. Yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, it was really good for there's a few Cornish lads about at the minute actually it's you know obviously just just a second ago when Kiz was talking about you know how it's not the same racing now compared to when he was a kid I mean Cornwall is dire now like it used to be even like sort of 15 years ago when I was racing in Cornwall we had about eight meetings a year there was about 12 sidecars just from Cornwall uh, and it's massively changed down in Cornwall now hasn't it yeah that's the trouble there's nothing down here now other than obviously the mid Cornwall and obviously, I think everybody's grateful for them putting on meetings down here because if it wasn't for them, then there'd be nothing other than Bridgewater. That would be yeah. the closest one for us, boys. And obviously, yeah. now you've got Thomas and Dylan Newton coming on as well. Yeah. They was 
they was looking very quick at Roach until obviously they had bike troubles as well. Yeah, until they caught fire, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> which was a shame for them after all the hard work they have put into it. Yeah. Great, great looking bike, by the way. They yeah. hours in the workshop building that, and obviously now it's, they've got to be back in there again doing it again. Mm. But obviously, I reckon, well, I'm 100% sure they'll be back out next year with it all pristine, ready to go again. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Luke, you caught them, didn't you? you? I think you were the first one of us three, us four, to see them racing. At, uh, I can't remember where it was, but you said you were, yeah, as soon up, as you saw at, them. Yeah, it was up at, up at Cheshire. Um, they look ridiculously fast, and I think it must have been one only their first or second meeting, I think. But yeah, I was impressed um, when I first saw them, for sure. Yeah, they're quick boys, definitely quick. And and uh, Ken Hicks is, uh, is it his grandson who rode as well at Roach. Yeah, that, grandson? William. That's it. Yeah, they went all right as well. They looked pretty steady. Yeah, they did. They went surprisingly well, to be fair, for their first meeting. Yeah. You had obviously, Jason Barry on the chair, which helps, obviously. Yeah, they've been at Plymouth practicing, haven't they? And obviously, that was their first time out on the grass, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but they look real good. I mean, they, they clattered into somebody at one point, but it was... Oh, oh, uh, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looked a little bit wincy, but I think Dave and uh, and Jordan had all they were all involved with each other, you know, helping each other out. So I think it was all fair game in the end. But yeah, real good uh, couple of Cornish riders, but like you say, massively different now compared to sort of well, fifteen think, years ago. I think saying that, like, there's no reason it can't go back to. I know it's never going to be the same, but it could be somewhere near with the amount of riders that are coming through. Yeah. Because you're, you're always hearing of people building bikes for someone and like it's like, oh, yeah, I've heard someone's blah, blah, is going to have a go. And you're just like, really? Another one? Like, mm. it's, it's good. Yeah. The, the sport still adds that attraction to people, doesn't it? Which is like to ride, which is great. Yeah. I think I think it's one of them sports you need to come and watch it to to see what it's, you know, really all about. Yeah. I've, I've got people that come and watch and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah i mean that's another thing that uh someone said to me paul standing said to me he said you keep going on about how brilliant these thousand sidecars are everyone's too terrified to ride one <laughs> yeah it's and not he's... surprising is it fair point really isn't it i suppose yeah. like yeah i mean we've all the, the, you know all five of us here have all been into it you know luke was away from it for when he was younger but his mum is heavily involved with the colvin fat well she's a colvin so she didn't have a colvin family yeah. You know, Russell went as a kid. I went since I was born. Ben's been going since he was born. You two have both been going since you're born. Like yeah. once you're in it, that's it, isn't it? You don't, you can't get out. <laughs> no, that's right. It's one of them sports, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely. like a family sport, but a bit of a nutty family sport. <laughs> there's, no other, there's no other way to really put it. That, that should be that's the dictionary definition of grass track. That is, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, we've uh, obviously got a big year in 2020 for, for both of you. Obviously, now that you've uh, broken into that sort of top six. And you're right, actually, Kieran, in the fact that it was sort of an out, you were the outsiders in as much that, you know, the other seven that were around you are all old guard, really. Gareth Winterburn, Mark Cossa, Paul Whiteland, Rob Wilson, uh, Colin. Uh, all, of the, all of those riders are old guard. They've been around for a long time and there you two were sort of getting involved. I guess that's what you meant. Uh, yeah, but now, do you yeah. feel like you are part of that sort of top top group? Yeah, I do. To be fair, like obviously all the like the older riders from that sort of era, they're all hell of a friendly. To be fair, if you beat them, they'll come up and they'll shake your hand. They'll turn around and they'll just say well done to you. Like, 
that's what I like about it. It's just brilliant. Yeah. There's no there's no hard feelings about anything. You can beat them, you can lose against them or whatever, and everybody will still come up at the end of the day and say, well done for what you've done. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a decent bunch in the sidecars, and I think everyone just wants, uh, deep down, they just want the sport to flourish, don't they? And I think that with with young, younger riders coming through, it's only a good thing, but obviously yeah. most of them either go to Speedway or they go solo racing, so, you know... You've done it very differently. What what sort of advice would you give to someone who's perhaps, you know, just about to go into the adults and is not really sure? You know, how would they go about doing what you've done? If I give any advice to anybody, I'll tell everybody to stay away from two wheels and go to three. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other than that, to be fair, that's what I've done. Obviously, I've progressed up through the two wheels. Obviously, if if you're good at it, then I'd stick to it. But you see a lot of the boys I. Like used to ride against like James Shane's Zach, all of them. Not see how far they've gone now. Yeah, they're doing brilliant within the sport, and to be able to look back and to say you used to be able to help like go out there riding with them sort of lads, is brilliant to be fair because they've gone on now, and they're going to keep progressing. Mm. Whereas you go to a sidecar, you're not really going to go to like their sort of level. Yeah. They're going to progress on the speedway. They could go on to the. They could go through to anything. Mm. But with the like sidecars, once you've got to the top spot, there's no really, there's not much of a further step for you. Yeah, that's the only downside to it. But it's one of them things, I suppose. Yeah, I guess that they're so much more fun to ride. I would think than a solo. You know, it's pure fun, isn't it? I mean, solo riders tend to if you get good enough it becomes a business whereas you that's, don't really have that with sidecars no they're owning that's their job isn't it? They're, they're getting up to go and ride their bike obviously they're not riding every day because they're travelling and stuff like that but that is that is their income yeah sidecars is literally going to stay a hobby but it's going to be a fun hobby all the way through until you decide that you, you've gone past it now yeah definitely I mean how much difference did it make when? because obviously you started off on the R1 uh, the steer R1, uh, and then you moved to the uh, the winter burnout for the Ducker, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Uh, uh, and how much difference did that make when you made that step up? To be fair, when like Dad always said, them like the steers were like brilliant bikes. Yeah. And obviously, I couldn't I couldn't knock it. I didn't know any different, so I just kind of rode it. And to be fair, I was useless on that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I jumped onto that Ducker, and like obviously, all of us were a bit worried. Because obviously they were like fast bikes. Yeah. But I jumped on it on that first meeting at Wimborne and went out and won the first race on it. And after yeah. that first race had been completed, I wouldn't look back. It's, yeah. It's a lot quicker and it is a lot more drivier to ride. But I don't know, it seems more fun. Yeah. Because it, it wants to get up and go. Yeah. <laughs> more of an enjoyable ride. Yeah, wants to get up and go. Jesus, man, it's got some power, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it. Yeah. It's uh, a kiss. I know that, obviously, having been a passenger myself, you can be, you know, we are, it looks like we're mad, but we are a bit choosy about who we get on the back of. But, uh, you know, giving Kieran his credit, like he's, for a young bloke, he's very smooth, isn't he? He's quite a smooth rider. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I've said it in almost every interview we've had after a race meeting, like, when I've been asked what it's like, it's, you don't expect it from someone so young, but 
he's one hundred percent the safest rider I've rode with. But he's 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 safe, but he's a hard rider as well, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, after the final in Cornwall, I think Kieran had knocked into Paul in one of the turns, and I think it was said that I think that is the first person that Kieran's ever knocked into. Yeah. <laughs> so that that does. He's been riding a few years now. That does show what sort of rider he is, you know. Yeah, yeah, it makes a big difference. I think when they when the young riders start, they can either be a bit wild and you know <laughs> makes you wince a little bit, and then they're struggling for passengers, yeah. uh, or they're nice and smooth. And you know, from the word go, Kieran was very smooth. You know, he had Dan Bray on to start with. I think is that right, Kieran? Yeah, that's right. And, and he had Dan, a... and Robbie on after that, and then obviously that's now. It. Yeah, so it's you know makes a big difference having someone who knows what they're doing on the back as well. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely good to watch. Um, yeah, good to see a young team coming up through, and that's what we we want to get more of, really. So yeah, good to hear, really. I I, I said I'd get one and Gareth retired. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're gonna make a team up, yeah? Cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I keep telling him we are, but he keeps saying he's retired now. So. Well, I've seen him uh, have a paddy after the 250 breaks down, so, and I've seen how he rides that thing. <laughs> like I say, we're, you've got to be a bit choosy about who you get on the back of, haven't you? And... <laughs> I don't want to go out with no Essex wide boy. <laughs> that adds to the excitement, Gareth, that does. Oh, does it? Yeah, we'll see you on the back of one then. <laughs> I don't well, boy. I don't have the meetings anymore. No, I'll jump on, I'll jump on the bars. You can get on the back. <laughs> I reckon we'll make the first corner and that'll be it. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> get out of go. <laughs> Dearie me, you should give it a go. You should give it a go, definitely. Be good to see. Well, boys, I think we're going to wrap it up. It's great to hear from you. And obviously, we're heading into the deep, dark winter now. And we're looking forward to next year. And let's hope the coronavirus is gone because it should be a big season for you two. Uh, but thanks for joining us. Is there anyone, Kieran, you want to thank before we go? I'd like to just thank my family, to be fair, mum and dad. Um, obviously for all the effort and support that they put into it um, and I'd like to thank all the fans that are backing us even though we're not riding they're still messaging giving us a call just to make sure we're all well um, all of that sort of thing is a great help to us really just keeps us keeps us up and going and just makes us want to come out and return and go bigger and stronger next year yeah good stuff I just thought actually Kieran before you go did you want to mention you because you do a lot of fabrication as well, as well don't you yeah, I do a lot of um, fabrication for the sidecar boys mainly. Yeah. Um, like the aluminium water tanks, air boxes, gear levers, all of that sort of stuff, really. So if anybody does need anything, then don't hesitate just to give me a message or give me a ring. My number's on Facebook um, anytime, and I'll sort of stuff out for you. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, and Keir's obviously looking forward to next year. And uh, anyone you'd like to thank? Yeah, same as Nug, really. All the family, mum and dad, um, all the sponsors, all the fans, like Kieran said, like there's, it's just ridiculous the amount of messages you get, and like it's ridiculous in a good way, you know. Yeah. It's it's just nice to feel the love. It, also, I was, when we was in Cornwall, there was a guy just walked past us with a Team Seventy Eight shirt on, but it wasn't <laughs> one that we had made. Like it was one he'd made himself. So. Oh wow. Yeah, it's that sort of things. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to say good luck to everyone next season. I hope everyone has a good, uh, safe season and hopefully we can get back racing. Super. All right, boys, I'll let you crack on with your evening. No worries. Thanks for coming on.
Cheers, boys. See you later on. Bye. This is world champion Lucas Finag, and you're listening to the Grass Track Banter podcast. So it's now time for our nostalgia section. It was better in our day. Now I've challenged the boys this week with the award that we're going to call the Joe Stevens Award. Now the reason why we call it that, Joe is a listener so he will know what we're talking about. Uh, a video came up a few weeks ago that was put onto YouTube of The Hangover. Uh, and Ben, you made a little cameo as well, didn't you? Well, several cameos actually on The Hangover that year. What should people look out for if they catch the Hangover uh, grass trap meeting on YouTube? Well, I've played all sorts of roles at the Hangover. <laughs> Been in a fancy dress competition. I've done a commentary. I've presented the prizes, and I've, I've also ridden on one. Yeah. <laughs> wow! I got to the first corner. Crashed. Crashed. And how old? How old would you have been at that meeting? Seven. <laughs> Seven years old. Seven years old. Seventeen when he crashed. Oh yeah, he was then. Yeah, but. <laughs> With this meeting, he was a young lad, and uh, one of the young, another young lad that was going really well was young Joseph Stevens. Uh, now, uh, Joe actually did start riding two fifties, didn't he, for a little bit? Um, but I think Ben, you've beat you beat Joe quite a few times, didn't you? I did, yeah. I also fell off in front of Joe, and he'd done very well not to run me over. Yeah, so that was a good thing. But if uh, Ben was able to beat Joe, obviously things didn't quite go to plan for Joe's career. So, kind of, so the reason why we've got the the uh, <laughs> the reason why we've got this uh, award is it's a rider who went through the youth as a really top rider, looked like they were going to beat the world, uh, and then for some reason just nothing really came of their adult career. Uh, and that's what we're going for this week. So I've challenged the boys to come up with a youth rider who had a huge uh, sort of what do you call it like potential on their shoulders and then hit adulthood and uh, it never really came to fruition so let's start with ben because obviously uh, joe joe also didn't realize that uh, he'd never met he'd met you before because you actually handed him the trophy for the meeting as well <laughs> so who have you gone for um i've gone for a guy from kent from bromley um who was who had a very promising youth career um very successful intermediate rider uh daniel glover yeah um, Daniel did come into the adult 350s and he 
he has some good rides, he has some good results, but he potentially didn't get to the heights that his youth, prom- youth uh, his promising youth career predicted for him. And um, yeah, he had a, I think he had a couple of crashes which may have knocked him back a little bit. I and mean, then he had he had quite a bad one, I think, at, in Kent somewhere, which I think that was the end of his race in them. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's had lost it, wasn't it? Second. Was it Collier Street? I think it. Yeah, it might have been Collier Street. I recall him having a big one, and um, I think that may have been the end of his riding days, which is a shame because they're a nice family. Mm. And uh, he was, yeah, like I said, he was a really good, promising youth rider, and didn't achieve what he could have done. No, no, he's uh, he rode a bit of three fifty, didn't he? And I don't think he ever made the jump up in the end, did he? No, three fifty was a class he rode in. Yeah, I don't know whether he's still got his bikes or not because I haven't seen him anywhere. No, he was a new track, new track rider, wasn't he? Yeah, he had two distinctive new track frames. Yeah. Yeah, don't know, Daniel Glover. If you're out there, then uh, be good to see you back. Um, all right, then let's go with Luke. Then it's a tricky one, as you know, Gareth. Um, well, I've only been in the sport uh, probably sort of just over ten years, and trying to find someone that was in the youth that's then not gone on to to bigger things. Uh, ones I saw come up with uh, was Connor Locke and Lawrence Barber. Um, they were they were sort of decent riders when they were in in adults, but probably yeah, as uh, Ben said on on Danny Glover, not as good as what they could have been. And obviously, I, I don't think they even rode at all um, in 2019. So they're they're the two that I went for, two that uh, could have been quick, and they were sort of within the mix in the meetings, but obviously didn't go on onto bigger things. Yeah, definitely two riders there that. Uh, did a lot of meet racing at Frittenden, actually. But, uh, yeah, I think Connor came down to a meeting in Cornwall one year and he was really fast uh, just before he went to adults. And I thought, cool, he could really, you know, go places here. And uh, in a similar way to Henry Atkins in the fact that he was always there or thereabouts in the youth and then suddenly got to Inters and looked really fast on the 250. But then, yeah, hasn't really happened for him. So, yeah, good shout. Uh, Russ? Yeah, uh, I actually had a bit of a conversation with Ben today. We discussed this. Um yeah, uh, I always feel like we're slating people when we do this section, but I'm, I'm certainly not slating this rider. Um, obviously, I had a few years away and then come back um, around 2004, 2003, 2004. And uh, one rider who I see uh, pretty much week in, week out in the Eastern Centre in the Inters was uh, Scott Campos. Uh, and then Scott made the jump up to the adults. I think he bought a bike off Lee Street. Um, looked very good on it straight away, but I don't think Scott ever really fulfilled his potential in the adults. Obviously, he's won a few meetings, uh, a few centre titles and that, but I think Scott probably should have gone on to sort of Masters level at least. Yeah. Uh, I know, obviously, he's dabbled a lot in Speedway since he was sort of like early teens, but, um, yeah, I think Scott could have gone a bit further than he did. Yeah, definitely. I think so too. I think he was... um... I think you're right. I don't think you're slating him. I think that when he come up through the youth, it looked like he was going to be, you know, master's material. And then he's, you know, his interest went elsewhere. And that was it, really. He's one of these, another one of these riders that, you know, could have been, you know, a master's champion and instead went to Speedway. And and that was it, really. I remember remember a a hangover meeting by the Salisbury Club. And they had an an intermediate support class. Mm. And they literally had, like, everyone there, Barker, Alti, Campos, and I think Campos cleaned up. Yeah. 
he had, yeah. uh, he had a very, very quick intermediate bike. I remember that in a very quick bike. And uh, like I said, I'm pretty sure he bought, uh, sure he bought his 250 off off Lee Street after a, a 500 sidecar meeting at the end of one season. Mm. Uh, I believe he's still got that bike actually, or his dad certainly in possession of it. Um, but yeah, I think Scott probably could have gone on a lot further than what he did. Yeah, and uh, Ben Barker, actually, there was a video. Did anyone catch the video of Ben on the Speedway GB uh, Facebook? And yeah, he... I sent it through to the uh, group. Yeah, and he talked about uh, how, you know, growing up, he was all about the grass track. Never even never even thought about Speedway growing up. Uh, all about the grass track. And then uh, I can't remember who the guy was he said got in touch with him now. I love like stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Wagstaff got in touch with him, turned him to Speedway, and that was it. And Ben did a couple of meetings on a grass track bike. He's probably only done sort of five to ten meetings as an adult. I'd have thought on the grass, it's been hardly anything, really. Um, yeah, he he could have been Masters champion, in my opinion. He was absolute talent. He's all out action, isn't he, Ben? It's all on the stop and very, very quick. There's only one way. Yeah. And he grew up with Tim Nobes as well, and he's a bit like that as well. So, uh, yeah, and Josh Orty, obviously, is another one who went off to Speedway. And, uh, yeah, certainly could have been Masters champion, I'd have thought. Uh, we, come up, we come up with a lot of a lot of names, Ben, didn't we, between us? Um, a lot yeah. of promising youth that either never made into the adults or, or went off onto uh, other ventures. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the one we both agreed on quite strongly was, um, was Josh Dingle, wasn't it? Yeah, Josh Dingle. Um, obviously, the Richens brothers... Um, both the Corns boys they were quite good but I don't think they even made it to intermediates before they went off um, there's, there's stacks of them we could sit here all night yeah yeah we could we definitely could well uh, my pick uh, I had a couple of picks actually but uh, I went with someone who used to race Scott Campos a lot was Aaron Pease uh, obviously Aaron did do a bit of adult but uh, sort of he was a quick uh, youth rider really quick youth rider and then got up into the adults and had a few years at it. Used to get a bit of a name for himself for crashing an awful lot, unfortunately. And I think that just knocked his head too much in the end. Uh, and then obviously he doesn't ride anymore. But yeah, Aaron Pease was a brilliant youth rider. I don't know if any of you remember him riding in the youth. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, remember um, junior burnout meeting. Yeah. And the first time I saw Aaron ride. And yeah, he certainly had a lot of style for a young rider. Yeah. And of course, honourable mention to our resident DJ Matt Saul as well, who was a very quick youth rider as well. Yeah, he was. We also mentioned Matt earlier, didn't we, Russ? We did. Yeah, yeah. Matt was another one that cropped up in our conversation. Uh, like you say, very good in the inters. Uh, dabbled a bit in the 250 adults. Dabbled a bit in the 500s, and then obviously he's gone off uh, with his own little business and that now very successful. So, mm. uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a few of them about. There's a few of them about. But we've, at the moment, of course, got this massive crop of uh, junior riders coming through at the moment. You know, there's probably about 15 of them at the moment, all the same sort of age, all capable. And let's hope that they all find their way into the grass track uh, when they hit adulthood. And just like we heard from Gear, and if their solo racing doesn't quite uh, pan out, they could always buy a sidecar, go sidecar racing. That'd be really cool. Um, but yeah, the Joe Stevens Award. I think out of those, I think, uh, who are you going for? Do you think the, the top one is there? I mean, Campos is a shout. Yeah, I think Scott. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully Joe won't be too upset. We, st- we still think you gave up too soon, Joe. He's a good rider. He was a good rider, 
Uh, and he's a good mountain biker as well, as it goes. <laughs> so that was it. Let us know what you think. Grassstrack Banter Podcast at Outlook.com. Let us know what you think. Is there a youth rider that you saw coming up through the youth or the schoolboys as it used to be? Uh, who you thought, wow, they are going to do all the winning in the future, and then it never really happened. Let us know. Grassstrapbanterpodcast at outlook.com. I was just going to say quickly, I remember when I used to go, like, when my uncles were in juniors, Jesus Christ, they were stacked back then. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely stacked. Lanham, Nichols, Paul Idewin, Shand, Reynolds. There was f***ing loads of them. Well, we still got them. Yeah. It's just a matter of keeping them on it, isn't it? That's the yeah. thing. They're just, yeah. they're just names at the moment they're not superstars and they will be just got to keep them on the grass long enough to uh i think like lanham and nichols are probably sort of like the the foot where it sort of began really with them probably hurry as well i guess but like lanham the day lanham turned 16 he signed for ipswich and that was it really never really see him on a 250 again and that was just sort of like senior raise into the adults yeah we lost i think he done one british championship as a senior a champion Blew the bike up, loaded it up, and signed for Ipswich the next day. Mm. We lose a lot of riders that are very, very good in the youth, um, come into adults, have a few years in the adults, and they seem to retire, or get, like, I mean, or get forced to retire. Like I mean, like Denham, yeah. James yeah. Bond, Lee Complin, Josh Dingle. That's four masters riders. Yeah, it's expensive. It's the pressure, is it? Once you get a bit older, it's the pressure. I think when you're growing up. You know, what the hell's Charlie doing? He just dabbles now and then, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, and he was a great youth rider as well, Charlie Saunders. Yeah. Really I'll t- good. I tell you what, that night, that night um, in Hurtigan, I've never seen him ride a bike so f- quick. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Shame you swore then, Russ, because I'm going to keep that bit in. <laughs> oh. I'll have to bleep your. I'll have to bleep your swear. <laughs> this is James Shane's, and you're listening to the Grassroots Banter Podcast. So it's nearly time for the end of episode 22 of the Grass Track Banter podcast. But before we finish, boys, I've just got this to run past you. Now, uh, yesterday, or the day before, I think it was, uh, Paul Alton, or Paul Alton, sorry, I should say, Paul Alton at Dirt Hub, he put up the uh, lineup for the um, the World Long Track. And it's got lost, some of the names have got lost in translation, and it tickled me a little bit. Uh, there is a rider that was in the lineup for the reserves, actually, for the World Long Track. Did anyone catch his name? Yeah, I, I see. I see the comments on this. <laughs> yeah, it made me laugh. Instead of some of Gareth's dad jokes. On <laughs> well, we had Yano the Freezer in. Yano, Yano de Vries, Yano the Freezer. Quite and, a cool uh, that you said. Pardon? Quite a cool name you said. Yeah, quite a cool name. Yeah, he's a bit chilly. <laughs> and uh, Fabian Wax, which sounds fine when you say it like that, but when you see it, it's written Wax like what you get in your ear. Uh, not very flattering and then someone pointed out that Marcel Dax actually translates as Marcel Badger so <laughs> not a flattering name either so I uh, that blew my mind a little bit so I went on the old Google Translate so I've got a few names to run past you boys these are races races from past and present see if you can guess who these are I've translated their names from their uh, their national language uh, into uh, English so these are some riders that you would have heard of. Now, who do you think this might be? The first one's easy. Yannick the Young. That's our, our little Dutch friend, Yannick. Yep, Yannick de Jong back next June, so I've heard. So his ban is up in June, Yannick de Jong. But yeah, Yannick the Young is his name in Dutch. Uh, we've got Dirk Factory. 
Dirk Fabrique. Dirk yeah. Fabrique. Yeah, and one of my personal Dutch favourites, Mark Sneaky. <laughs> Stick him up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's always sneaking up the inside. And moving over to Germany, we've got uh, Gerd Crack. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Can you believe it? And his sons, Eric and Mark, crack. <laughs> uh, we've got Dimitri Bank in French, which is, Berger. of course, Berger, yeah, which means like a bank of a river, not like a bank you put your money in. Uh, <laughs> Patrick Piglet. <laughs> not even making this up. <laughs> and his son rides Stephen Piglet. <laughs> Oh, Goray. Yes, yes, very good. Very good. Uh, back to Germany, we've got Burnt Servant. Uh, burnt Toast. Yeah, Burnt Dina. Mm-hmm. And uh, some some of my favourites now coming up. We've got uh, Uppy Forest. It's got to be Uppy Boss. Uppy Boss, very good. Uh, now, sidecar rider, Marco Dog Printer. Huns. <laughs> uh, is it a, a Hunstrucker? Yes, which translates uh, as Marco Dog Printer. Is it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for, former world champion Jonas Coldbasket. Coldbasket. <laughs> and going back a few years, it's uh, Zednik Cuttingwind. Ah, Zednik Sliderwind. Yeah. And we've got two Italian riders. we got Armando Chestnut. <laughs> <laughs> Would you believe Castagna translates as Chestnut? And my absolute favourite, his first name and surname translate, which is superb, Maximum Blue Raspberry. <laughs> oh, no. Who, who do you think is Maximum Blue Raspberry? Massimo Mora. Yes, very good. <laughs> oh, great job. Maximum Blue Raspberry. Absolutely superb. All sorts of scenes. Yeah. yeah on, the, uh, on, the, on the Dutch translation, I thought you were going to give reference to your... Uh, your Dutch name from the Exlu Speed Race Star Report. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was that? Do you remember what it was? Uh, Seri. Yeah. Seri Berminster. Beerminster. Beerminster. <laughs> yeah. The first meeting I ever rode on the grass, I was called Gareth Bamba in the Speedway Star. <laughs> Bamba. <laughs> well, like a deer. Yeah, and then my first meeting abroad at Exlau Indoor Speedway, I was Sarit Beermainster. That's it. Yeah. My dad still calls you that now. He does. He still calls me Sarit. Yeah. 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 It's like the um the app on your phone, isn't it? What's that? Siri. Siri. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was progressive. It was a progressive name, that. Yeah. Right, I think we're about done, boys. We're rambling. We are. We're rambling. We're rambling. Uh, yeah, the translations is fun, though. I'm going to keep looking for ones because I keep looking. It's very disappointing when you put in a name. You're like, oh, I wonder what Matthias Kroger translates to. And it comes back, Kroger. Oh, okay. That's not very interesting at all. So, yeah, I'll keep looking out for some more. But uh, what do we need to do? We need to thank some sponsors, I feel. We've now got lots of sponsors for Grass Trap Banter Promotions. And we've we've mentioned them already. We've got Stella Despatch, which you need to mention. Rhino Goo, SBS Epos, LLB Bates, Impress, uh, Custom Clothing by Impress Promotions, of course. Paul Morphy. Relax to Race, Properly Protected, Blades Bikes. And, of course, uh, Paul Orton at Dirt Hub. Is it a coincidence that three of our sponsors' names are Paul? Just realised that. Paul Lawton at Dirt Hub, Paul Munter at Stella Despatch, and Paul Morphy at Custom Clothing by Press Promotions. Yeah, Very strange. If there's any other, pool, any other pools out there, then we could have a quadruple. Quadruple. 
quadruple. <laughs> <laughs> oh God Almighty, that is bad. That is bad. It's dad joke banter dad, podcast. Ben's jumping in on the dad jokes now. Oh, well, it's nearly time. It's nearly time. Next that was quick though. That was quick, wasn't it, for a Monday night? <laughs> Next time we speak to Ben, he could be a daddy. Who knows? It's a bit of a race at the moment between uh, Russell Little and Ben Ilsley, I think. Junior Little and Junior Ilsley. Who's going to win the first race? We'll wait and see. Anyway, I think that's about it for the, <laughs> the Grass Track Banter podcast, episode 22. Anyone got anything else to say, Ben? You got anything to say? Yeah, just to add, we talked about the new uh, Banter Promotions membership. If you did want to join us, um, you can do that through the website, www.grassrackbanter.com. Uh, if you select the shop, there is a contact form you fill out. You can pay by PayPal, and then details will follow through the post, and uh, you'll be allocated a unique code to attain your ACU license when you're ready, and a membership menu of all your discount discount codes will follow through the post. Yeah, good stuff. And obviously, you don't need to be a rider to be a member. No nope. riders are also welcomed. We are riders, spectators, officials, dogs, everyone. Yeah. Is there a special dog membership? Is there? Well, we'll, we'll get it on there. Yeah. Good stuff. Fifteen percent off your pedigree chum. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to honour that now. Out <laughs> <laughs> of your pocket, Russ. <laughs> and oh. uh, any. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to add, Luke? Uh, no, I think that's it. Just, uh, I suppose, thanks to everyone for uh, supporting us in our new exciting venture. Um, if there's anyone out there that fancies even sponsoring the meeting, um, yeah, get in touch and uh, try and help us to make it the uh, one of the biggest meetings of the year next year. Yeah, absolutely. Get involved. Get involved. It's really important that we all try and pull together with this grassstrapbanterpodcast.outlet.com or you can just get hold of any of us on Facebook or on the Grassstrap Banter Facebook group as well uh, and we would absolutely uh, be very happy for your help and be trying to get as many people involved as possible so please don't be a stranger let us know what you think of the show as well grassstrapbanterpodcast.outlet.com let us know what you've enjoyed let us know if you've got anything that you think we should be talking about on the podcast and we will quite happily talk about it but we should be back in two weeks time for episode 23 when we will have another special guest We've got a couple of really big guests lined up uh, some try and get another sidecar rider on shall we uh, that's been really good speaking to Kieran and Kiz uh, this evening thanks to Chad as well for joining us earlier on in the evening too on episode 23 as well as guests we will talk about the world long track that's coming up next year and we'll start to look a little bit more at the events that are coming in 2021 all being good so until then we will see you in a grass track field very very soon 